0: we have one more song we would like to share. Um, You don't have words to this one but Vienen con alegría, they come with joy. Vienen con alegría Señor cantando Vienen con alegría Señor. So if you want to join in on that part this is kind of a mariachi tune so feel free to clap along.
1: Come one, come all.
2: Come with your missing pieces and your extra screws. (laughs) Come with your hard edges and your soft spots. Come with your
1: bowed heads and upright spines. Come all you flamboyant and drab, verbose and quiet, fidgeting and lethargic. All you with large vision and tender hearts. All you with small courage and tender fears.
2: Bring your lisp and your stutter and your song. Bring your gravel and your drawl and your lilt. Bring your
1: anger and your joy and your righteous indignation. Misfits and conformists and everyone in between. Come into this space and be welcome.
2: Bring who you are, bring where you've traveled bring
1: what you long for and let us worship together
0: the chorus for the opening song is in your order of service we are here here together in this holy moment and we're grateful for the winding road that brought us to this place we're going to teach you the chorus. We'll sing it through once. We'll have you sing it with us. And then we'll start the song. We have some soloists to sing the verses, and I will cue you when it's time to sing that chorus. It comes back three more times.
3: We are here.
0: Oh, that was wonderful. Okay, Okay, I will cue you when it's your time to sing.
3: the name of
2: Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian. I'm Catherine Probasco and I'm happy to see all your shining faces today. Welcome to folks in the sanctuary. Welcome to folks in the social hall and the family room. Let's take a moment to just appreciate this amazing congregation, people near and far. I invite you to take a look around and send a little welcome blessing to the folks around you. It is good to be together. This is a church for people of all ages where our beloved community coughs and wiggles and laughs and claps and may rely on devices that make other small noises and that is all perfectly fine. We have a playground down front for our smallest congregants with a soft rug and cool toys. We also have an activity table in the back for little ones who need a bit more to do and a family room across the way for the ones who need to run free. Uh, It has toys and a live feed of the service. All are welcome here to learn and grow in spirit. We bring our holy, sacred, whole selves into this moment Beloved for who we are. Come, let us worship together.
1: How about a little meditation? Invite you to get comfortable. If there's something you can set down and you want to set it down try that and take a breath you've been breathing all morning that's why you made it this far today now you can do it with some mindfulness with some gratitude for that amazing process of taking in air that has circled all around the globe and passed through trees in which your body knows exactly what to do with and how it connects everything. I'm going to share a reading with you and then we'll spend a couple of minutes in stillness together. And when we do that, if your mind wanders, when your mind wanders, just gently bring it back. That is meditation. That practice right there. These are the words of Mark Bellatini. Ah, it's true. When our ancestors spoke of heaven, they were speaking of this moment. When they went on about nirvana, they imagined a time like this. When they sang of paradise, it was this morning they imagined. A time when all the mysteries of life and death are blended in a community of praise. When the bones of ancient lovers are given flesh again in our own bodies, teachers of long ago speaking of love and truth Once more, in lives so ordinary, they are extraordinary. Blessed is our breath, in and out, quiet. Blessed is our sitting, our fidgeting, our movement. Blessed is our heartbeat, echoing the pounding alleluias of distant stars. Blessed is the silence that is presence, not absence. lift up some prayers in our community. I know you bring many names in your hearts today, people and places that could use a prayer. I invite you to call them to mind and I invite you to speak them aloud as the chime rings so that we can hold them with you together. From my pastoral list, I also lift up Brenda Cole and Brenda's sister in law, Kelly. Kelly is receiving treatment for cancer. And so we lift them up and we pray for her strength and good care and healing. All of these we lift up to the great powers of healing and renewal and celebration that we call by many different names. And I lift up that today is World Suicide Prevention Day and that New Mexico has the fourth highest suicide rate in the country. So we're reminded to look out for each other and to reach out to each other. And we're reminded that feelings of hopelessness or pain or despair are real but temporary. And that there's so much more good in store for each of us than we could possibly see or know in our hardest moments. And if you're ever not sure about that, reach out. Let's talk about it. So we lift all of those up and we lift up the unspoken prayers. We hold space for them and as a faith community, we hold the hope that sometimes may elude us individually. We pray for each other and we pray for ourselves. For this community and for our world, and that we may make our lives a blessing upon others through our manner of being. Amen. And peace be with you. Well, we've just completed our summer seminary sermon series on world religions, and I can stop having to say all those S's that I inflicted on myself now. We started out back in June with a sermon about how we would even define religion, for starters. And then we explored Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianities, Judaism, and Native American tradition. We also delved into religious liberalism as a distinct framework, and into the perceived tension between science and religion, and finally into atheism last week with Christine's sermon. I understand Carl Coyote dabbled in atheism while I was away last week. (laughs) Carl, the one who never fails to remind us that Coyote is a deity in some traditions, like a minor deity. (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) I've been a UU all my life and this tradition feels so normal to me that sometimes I forget how unusual and exciting it is to be part of a congregation and in fact a whole denomination that embraces theological diversity and to even welcome guest preachers from other religions. And it was so wonderful to find so many guest speakers who also embrace diversity and would share their paths with us this summer. One of the reasons we Unitarian Universalists are the way we are is that our faith is non-creedal. We don't think that there's only one right way to believe. We don't insist that everybody have the same beliefs. And instead, what brings us together is a set of values. Those values are reflected in these services and they're reflected in the work we do together And in the mission covenant of this church, that's what we have. We've got something called a mission covenant. It's significant that our church doesn't just have a mission statement. It has a mission covenant. A covenant is a promise. It's a sacred contract. It's relationship-based. While a creed is an individual thing, like I, Angela, believe in X, Y, and Z, and a statement is a kind of proclamation, right? We will do X. A covenant is a relational thing. We promise. We promise to each other and perhaps, but not necessarily, to God or the spirit of life. Our church's mission covenant reads, we, the members of First Unitarian, agree to Promote the spiritual, intellectual, and personal growth of each member. Minister to each other in an atmosphere of welcome, acceptance, and caring. Be a positive force for social, environmental, and economic action. Promote the wider understanding of our purposes and principles in the larger community. And provide a dynamic religious education program for all ages. Does anybody know when this mission covenant was first adopted? And I see Christine over there, do you know? About 1990. All right, I guessed it in the last service. I wasn't sure. I realized as I was researching this sermon that I didn't know how old our mission covenant was, but the wording sounds like the 90s to me. (laughs) So, Based on what I know of our history. The values that it reflects, this I do know, the values that it reflects are much older even than that. There's another example of a UU covenant statement in our gray hymnal, and I invite you to pull a gray hymnal out right now and look at it with me. It's number 471, so toward the back. This is one of the most popular covenant statements and we've read it together many times over the years. Okay, read it with me. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need. To the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other and with God. This one has some old-fashioned words in it, reflecting the long history of those values. A doctrine is an official teaching. And a sacrament is a religious practice that is considered especially significant or important. So love is the official teaching of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer. We covenant, we promise to dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge freely, and to serve human need so that everyone may grow into harmony with the divine. And what is the divine? It's simple. I'm just kidding. It's not simple. (laughs) We embrace theological diversity. It's not simple here. (laughs) It's a big question. But maybe for today, what we can say is something like, the divine is the love that holds all. Or the love that moves through and among us. Or the spirit of life. Our theological theme this month is the gift of welcome. And it got me thinking about some of the tensions that are inherent in embracing diversity and in radical inclusivity. And it got me thinking about the role that covenant plays in helping us to navigate those. When you count not only official members, but everybody who participates at First Unitarian, including all of the kids, too, we're a congregation of over 1,000 people, a big group. And although we would like to believe that everybody is here for the right reasons and will behave very well or even perfectly, in truth, it's inevitable that in a group this size, there are going to be some people who do harm or harm will just happen intentionally or unintentionally. In my years here, for example, I've had to deal with several cases of men's sexual misconduct or harassment or otherwise inappropriate behavior toward women Somebody asked me after the first service if it's always been men. So far, that has been the case with these cases. And I'm not really nice about it when that happens. You know those signs that say shoplifters will be prosecuted? That's how I feel about misconduct. If you misconduct here, you'll be kicked out, and I'll file a police report. It's not fun, but I did kind of laugh one time when a person who misconducted complained that I was not being welcoming to him. It's not just me who won't put up with it. Our safe congregation policies, which you can find on the church website, are clear. We don't welcome that kind of behavior here. We even have policies that address ambiguous situations where somebody is doing something that makes you really uncomfortable. And we encourage you to report that to a minister or staff person as soon as you start to notice it, even if you're not sure that it rises to the level of misconduct. That's because in order to create a welcoming place, some behaviors cannot be welcome. That's what I mean by the welcome paradox. If we welcome unwelcoming behavior, we make an unwelcoming place. So misconduct is a pretty extreme example of that, but there are other kinds of examples too. One time a person came to church repeatedly wearing a provocative political t-shirt, and the shirt was, it was both provocative and also racist was obviously meant to provoke a reaction so I told him to cut it out and he accused me of violating his free speech. Was I? No. If I were a government official telling him he can't wear the shirt outside of his home that would be a violation of his free speech. As the minister of a church that covenants to minister to each other in an atmosphere of welcome acceptance and caring I was calling him back into the covenant. Being an intentional provocateur and being racist, including just joking, works against our covenant. It creates an unwelcoming, uncaring atmosphere. As we lean into the work of our eighth principle, dismantling oppression within ourselves and in our institutions, we're going to continue to encounter moments of tension related to being welcoming, many kinds of moments. And by far, most of these will be unintentional, that I know for sure. We'll learn that words or phrases we thought were okay are not received that way by others. We may have to let go of a comfortable way of doing things in order to make room for others or to be more welcoming to them. We may discover that values outside of the church, like free speech, are superseded inside the church by the promises we make to each other. Promises that are based in other values like caring, welcoming and acceptance and spiritual, intellectual and personal growth. And we may, we will, we will also encounter areas of genuine disagreement about what is welcoming or how to interpret something or how to proceed. What I want to say about that is that it's one thing to hear about or to think about those kinds of tensions. It's another thing to experience them. Because when we experience it, we don't just think about it, right? We feel it with our feelings, you know? And that is when our covenantal faith asks the most of us, when we are upset. So I want to share a trick that therapists like to teach people. And it's as helpful in church as it is in other kinds of relationships. Because in all of our relationships there's a way that we aspire to be and then there's what we may default to when we're having feelings, right? The trick is to slow down. Because when we get upset we speed up, you know what I mean? We, we talk faster, we gesture faster, and we might pop off with our reactions. Instead... Try to slow yourself down long enough to name what is happening. I'm having feelings. Maybe that's as far as we can get at first, right? (laughs) Maybe you gotta figure out what they are. Maybe it takes a minute. What are you mad about? What are you sad about? What are you afraid of? What do you feel protective of? Are you embarrassed? and trying to save face because these relationships mean so much to you? And then if you can muster up the courage and if it feels reasonably safe to do so, try sharing the feeling before you proceed with the other stuff. This can make a really big difference because sharing a feeling can increase connection between two people by fostering a deeper level of understanding. Popping off, not so much, right? In our personal lives, an example might be, say, a loved one who repeatedly comes home late, like maybe a partner or an adolescent child, for example. Your first reaction might be to get angry and scold them for it. And then maybe they get defensive and they give you excuses or they get mad back at you. But if you can slow your reaction down, maybe you realize that what you're feeling under that first feeling is actually scared, right? Like when they don't come home on time, you get scared that something has happened. This takes me like seven minutes of lateness in my own life before I start to worry about somebody. You know, and maybe maybe you've even lost somebody before. And so you share this, and then they know that your response has to do with love and grief, and they're more likely to remember and to care back after that. And maybe you're even able to talk about what you both need and to renegotiate so that it works better for everybody. You see what I'm getting at with the slowing down thing. And you know if you forget to do it at first, do it when you remember. It's never too late to slow down. If you encounter someone else who's forgetting to slow down and maybe you realize you could connect with them better if they did, maybe you can invite that. Maybe even model it yourself. tell you what a welcoming religiously liberal congregation is a brave and wonderful space it's a space where the promises we make keep pulling us toward the vision of who and how we want to be there's so much that we cannot fix in this world so much so many terrible things that it's overwhelming But as long as there are people who love and care, people who quest for the truth and who make promises to each other in a spirit of community, it is still a beautiful world. The divine is still moving in it. As we welcome each other and our own moments of growth as well, we transform that world with our love. We really do. We create in it the very things that we need in order to feel welcome and at home ourselves. May it be so.
2: A child who reads will be an adult who thinks. That's the motto of our Change for the Future partner this quarter, Libros for Kids, an affiliate of Dolly Parton's famous Imagination Library. Libros for Kids mails one book every month to Bernalillo and Valencia County children up to age five. That means each child registered in their program receives up to 60 books by kindergarten. You can earmark your donation for Libros for Kids by dropping your loose change in the collection box or by using a chairback back envelope and writing CFF on the front. And of course, we also welcome general offerings to support the work of the church. Your generosity sustains this beloved community and all the minds and bodies in it. In the words of Victoria Urbanic, thank you for the letters that form words, that form sentences, that form paragraphs, that form chapters, that form books, that form stories. We will now gratefully receive the offering.
1: Thank you so much for your generosity on behalf of the congregation and on behalf of Libros for Kids. Thank you, ushers. May these gifts be for blessing. We've got a few invitations to share with you. One is to remember that today is Connection Sunday. It's mentioned in your printed order of service. It's happening out in the courtyard. It looked really fun after the first service, so we hope you'll stay and go learn about all the groups you could join or all the activities that are going on here at First Unitarian, covenant groups, lots of stuff. Leadership positions, all of it. Speaking of. Speaking of leadership positions,
2: I have a Help Wanted ad. Is yours a path of service fueled by coffee and committee camaraderie? (laughs) The Leadership Succession Committee is seeking people willing to guide our church into the future. There are lots of places where your leadership can make a difference, including, but not limited to, the board of directors, the endowment committee, and the LSC itself. So when you go out for Connections Sunday, take a look at the possibilities at the uh, the leadership succession table in the courtyard and see where you could bring new insights, a fresh perspective, or maybe just different energy to the decisions that shape where our congregation goes
1: and I know the leadership succession committee is especially interested in creating diverse teams of leaders for our congregation we all wear many different kinds of identities if an identity that is important to you if you don't see it reflected in the leadership of this congregation we especially encourage you to consider passing your name to the team indicating that you might be interested in taking up a position All right, also in the help wanted category. So just a few weeks ago, I introduced you to Thomas Sherrill, our new technical arts director. And I am so sorry to say that due to events beyond his control, he has had to leave that position after all. I'm very disappointed. He was great. what this, but we understand, and we, we wish him the best. So what this means is the position is open again. If you know somebody who'd like to spend 10 or 15 hours a week leading our AV team, uh, the very important, crucial behind-the-scenes work for worship, um, please let them know to apply or pass their name along. You can find a full position posting on the church website. Let's see. I think, actually, I think that's it for invitations. All right. Well, finally, why don't we rise and body your spirit, and greet each other with a gesture of peace. We like to do that with one hand on our hearts and we extend the other one toward our fellow UUs and guests, peace to all. It's good to be together. <laughs> and I invite you to grab that signal and open to number 1008, our hearts in the holy
3: place.
1: ended a bit early to give you some more time for that connection sunday so go forth and connect and may love bless you and keep you until we're gathered again blessed be